Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. Galatians chapter 5 says this, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. You are counting on circumcision to make you right with God. Then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if you are still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But you are directed by the Spirit. You are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. But when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That was long, guys. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions of their desire of their sinful desires to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Turn to your neighbor. You're going to say two things. One, congratulations, you just read Galatians 5. So I heard this side of the room. I did not hear that side of the room. Congratulations, you just read Galatians 5. The second thing I'm going to say, you turn to your neighbor and tell them start with Jesus. 
you can be louder than that. Start with Jesus. Lord, we just bless you. We thank you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We lift you up, Lord, that you are the one God who loves us, who cares for us, who just wants to be with us. Lord, let this word penetrate our hearts. Lord, let you be the one speaking the words. Father, I ask you here as an empty vessel that you may fill me, O oh God, and that your people may walk away today, O oh God, knowing, knowing, knowing that it always starts with Jesus. Father, we praise you and we bless you. We ask you to bless our pastors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Let's give it up for our musicians. Well, and Marcos who walked off. <clears throat> so, I have a question. How many of you have ever felt that your body has betrayed your mind and vice versa? Right? So, let's say this. I've, I've been cooking on a stove for a long time. And I know that the pots on the stove are hot. But in the middle of it, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, man, I have to go get the, the pot off the stove. And you proceed to grab the pot with your hand. Right? Does that happen to anybody? You're like, oh. John's always like, don't, don't go over there without mitten. Don't go over there. And I'm like, what? And I just proceed to grab it. If that has happened to you and you're like, oh, man, that's hot. I, I knew better. Congratulations. Your body just betrayed your mind. Or what about the vice versa? How many of us grew up with our mother? I don't iron. I'm gonna, that's full transparency. I don't iron. I haven't ironed in years. I know. My mother thinks I'm crazy. My mother irons. And I remember growing up, she used to, how you used to walk over to check if the iron was hot? You touch it. You lick your finger and you touch it. My mother used to do it twice. So she used to go over, lick her finger, touch it, and be like, and then do it again. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, did your mind not tell your body the first time that that was hot? Then congratulations, your mind just betrayed your body. And sometimes that tension within us gets thick too, right? My daughter, who's going to be seven in a few weeks, going on like 40, comes to me, you know, if you know MRI, she's very blunt, and she says what's on her mind, whether it gets her in trouble or not, right? I appreciate that about her, you know? She says this to me. One time she comes out of her room and she says to me, you don't know what happened to me, mom. I said, what happened, Mariah? I don't know what happened, but I almost cursed. <laughs> and I looked at her, I said, oh yeah, you almost cursed? Now, we don't curse in my house. So I'm like, so I'm like looking at her. She's like, you know, she's very animated, very, she could have been, you know, she's one of those Puerto Ricans who talks with her hands, you know. She's like, yeah, I almost cursed. And I said, so tell me about that. Like, what happened? She goes, it came into my head. She goes, but it didn't come out of my mouth. I said, okay, so that's, that's a good start. That's a good start. It, it went into your, right? You went into your head and it didn't come out of your mouth. And she goes, no, no, no. I, I, I stopped it. I stopped it. I said, oh, so you made a good choice, I told her. You made a good choice for it, for it not to come out of your mouth. Now, I will say, full disclosure, she has slipped. 
because she's told me. All right? And then I say to her, we go back to, well, do you think that was a good choice? And she's like, no, I know it wasn't a good choice, but it just happened, right? Because she's, she's, she's seven, right? And I say, okay, no problem. But I tell her, you know, that's not a good thing, right? And she's like, no, I know. I say, you need to find another word with whatever word is swirling around in your head. And she tells me, yes, I know, I know. But sometimes as adults, the same thing happens to us. Our opposing views within us start to, it feels like there's a battle within us, within our bodies, that we feel like sometimes we can't, we can't figure out what it is, right? And it's funny because Paul begins chapter 5 repeating the same thing he said in chapter 1. He says, we are free through Jesus, right? We already know Jesus plus nothing. nothing. Oh, good. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, right? We are free through Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love, acceptance. There's nothing, 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 nothing. How many parents do we have in this house? Raise your hand. Does this sound familiar in your own life? When you have to repeat things to your children a thousand times over? <laughs> every five minutes. Right, every five minutes. But guess what? You guys are in good company because the Apostle Paul also repeated the same thing over and over to his children, to his spiritual children in the church, right? He said to them, hey, there's nothing you need to do. There's nothing to do to do. Like he addressed this in the beginning of the letter, and now he's saying it again in chapter 5. Hey, let me just start out in reminding you that it does not matter, that there is nothing you need to do to accept, to, for Jesus to accept you, right? There's nothing you can do, that it is not dependent on us, it is all dependent on Jesus. And I said to myself, man, I said, this is the Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. I said, I am in pretty good company here. So I don't feel bad now when I have to repeat things to my kids a hundred times. I really don't, and you shouldn't either, because look, we have proof here. But he also says in verse 13 that we are free. I mean, he says in the beginning that we are free, but in verse 13 he says this, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to love one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So he's telling them, hey, you're free. You're free in Jesus. You are free, and you are free as it can be. There is nothing you can do, but be careful. The only thing you should be doing, and you shouldn't be abusing that freedom, is loving one another. So I said, okay, Paul, I got you. This is me. This is the way I read the Bible. I'm like, all right, that sounds good. This is, we're good here. So I should use my freedom to love others, but what happens when people are not lovable? What happens when I feel the constant tension within me? When that person has stepped on my toe, has cut me off on the road, right? Has said something about my dress, my hair, right? Has offended me, has hurt me, has betrayed me. You're telling me I'm supposed to love that person, but the tension inside me is saying, hey, handle that the way you want. But Paul is reminding them that, no, you need to use that freedom to keep on loving that person. My sinful nature is pulling me to do what is wrong. And let's be honest, it's not easy. 
Our sinful nature will take us back to handling situations the way we used to before Christ. Before Christ, forget it. We were a hot, we, well, I was a hot mess. I was a hot mess. I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to do that? No problem. Tit for tat. I got you. Oh, not right now, though, because, you know, I'm from Brooklyn, so we like elements of surprise. <laughs> right? We like elements of surprise. So I'm going to put that one in my back pocket, and we'll figure that out later because you're going to need me. But Paul is saying here, yeah, but remember that you're free from that. Remember that you're free from that. And in that freedom... And in that freedom, you need to remember that you are to love one another. I've discovered, and Pastor Ru helped me discover this during this preaching, that we, we get all this information sometimes, and I'm like, but what's the how? I need a step-by-step. As I got older, I'm like, step-by-step. The other day I taught myself, guys, I was very proud of myself. YouTube 15 minutes had an anime on PowerPoint. I was excited. I needed a step-by-step, right? And it all sounds good. But how are we supposed to achieve this? How are we supposed to get there, right? If Paul already has said to us, hey, there's nothing you can do. In verse 16, he says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's the answer. It says, he goes on to say, then, and then he compares it. This is then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite, right? There's that tension, which is the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And he, and he explains it even further. He says, and I'm telling you, I'm now I'm paraphrasing, right? These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are no longer, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. He just gave us the how. He just gave us the how. Just to think that before I, I, I understood Paul's mission, and I, this is True story, I called Pastor Roe one day when I, first start, when I first gave my life back to Christ and I started really reading my Bible because I grew up in church my entire life not really reading my Bible, but as I got older, I really, really started reading my Bible. I said, I don't like this guy. <laughs> I don't like this guy at all. I'm like, who is this guy? And Pastor Roe was like, what? And I'm like, I don't like this guy, Paul. Right? And I'm like... I don't understand him. He sounds a little funny, right? Let's be honest, right? We've all been to Ephesians. Husbands and wives, we've all been to Ephesians. It's not cute, right? And I say that, but after I really understood how he laid down his life, right, because of his encounter with Jesus, the lens shifted for me. And now I'm like, that's right, Paul. That's right. You do what you got to do. You say what you got to say, right? But he gives us the how. So he says, let the spirit guide your lives. How powerful is that statement? Where all you have to do is allow and surrender to God and he will take the reins. That's all you have to do. You know, I grew up in a time, so like I said, I grew up 
in the church my, most of my entire life, maybe eh, since I was eight. I gave my life to Christ when I was eight years old. I'll never forget it. I, I, we visited the Salvation Army for a while. Um, and then I went, I, my mom moved over to a Pentecostal church. Um, and if anybody knows that back then they taught differently, you know, and it's not, I tell people, I said, you know, there's a lot of things that I was taught that did harm to me. And there's a lot of good things that I learned too, right? And they did the best they could with what they understood. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think it was with malice or anything. I just think that it was just different, you know? And I was always given the to do and the to don't list as a Christian. Don't do this, do that. Don't do this, do that. Don't do this, do that. And I always sat there and I was like, okay, Lord. All right, so then I'm never going to. So I do the do, the do nots. I do the do nots, right? Like, I, I can't, like, I'm doing the do nots, you know? And as much as I tried to do the do's, I just couldn't. There was no connection for me between the two. And so this particular scripture, the one, when we're going to go to verse 19, has always been to me, shown to me as a not-to-do list. Always. This is the way it was taught to me. And guys, when I tell you, when I was preparing for this, I listened to everything on Galatians, on YouTube, every preaching, everything you could think of to try to figure this out because I was intimidated by the text. Because I'm like, in my lens, Lord, I'm viewing this as a to-don't list. But it's not showing me the connection of how to get to the to-do list, right? If we're going to consider it, right? How to, get, how to connect the two. And that's why Pastor Ruben got a phone call, and I was like, I need you. And it's so funny, choose transparency, that, the, the, that sometimes those things creep into our hearts. And although we've seen Jesus, right? So the tension within me was, hey, I know better now. I know who Jesus is now. I've seen the grace of God in my life. I've seen what God can do. So it didn't sit well with me because my lens was still reading it like a to-don't list. So let's go into verse 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sensual nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lawful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you're like me, and the way I was taught, this was almost weaponized. Almost into a fear-based scripture. And I always thought to myself, man, this is a little troublesome because some of these things I've done. Right? Like yesterday. Not really like yesterday, but back then yesterday. I mean, I was one who used to sleep my hangovers in church when I was a kid. And if my mother's listening, <laughs> I'm 40 now, though, guys. I'm 40 now. So we chilling. But that's what I used to do. So you see how it was never, 
I was never able to connect it because if this is telling me that I will never inherit the kingdom of God, then hey, my wild partying days disqualified me. It disqualified me. If you know me, I, I love to be honest with you guys, but I think it's so powerful in transparency. Just last week, I woke up annoyed at my husband. Don't even ask me why, because I don't even know. He texts me, you all right? I'm good. You know, I started the one word, good. You sure? Yeah. You annoyed with me? I don't know. I think I'm, I promise you, I can show you the text messages. I think I am. He's like, all right. I said, all right. And then I just, I just go silent, right? The silent treatment via text. I don't say anything. And I'm like, geez, Lord, that's, that sounds like quarreling to me. Hostility to me. Thinking about myself first to me. Right? But the beauty of Paul is that he's, ex I, I realized that I came to the, realization once I started looking at the text and the context in which he was saying these things is that the, the thing that he's describing in verse 19 is a byproduct of allowing your sinful nature to give you the choices. It is a byproduct. And it's crazy because he says it. He says when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is what can happen. And if, for me, I'm like, but I'm good. I'm a good person. Right? Have we ever had that spoke with ourselves? I'm a good person. Right? I have. I grew up that way. I grew up thinking, yeah, you're a good person. You don't, you know, cheat and steal and, for goodness sakes, I stole a nowelator when I was like nine and my mother made me take it back. And I've been traumatized ever since. But in Romans 7, I just want to give you just a little bit of context. Paul, my boy, verse 14 says this. He's saying, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin, I don't really understand myself. That was me this week when John asked me why I wasn't, if I was annoyed. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So, not, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature right, by Adam's disobedience, right, my, our sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can anybody? But if I do what I don't want to do, I am, really the, am, I, am I not really the one doing wrong? It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's word with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. 
Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? See, the issue, the behavior, your behavior is not the symptom. It's the symptom. That's what that is. You're acting out what your sinful nature, right? If you allow your sinful nature to, to do what it wants to do, you're acting it out. Your behavior is that. It's the, it's the symptom. The sin is the root. We have, I was listening to somebody this week, and I don't remember his name. It's not good. But this is what he said, and it blew me away. He said, our sinful, uh, he says, our, our sin problem runs too deep. It runs too deep. And we catch ourselves in this tension between the two, the constant, right? We already know Paul says it opposes each other constantly, right? It's constant. But Paul, what he, what he goes on to say, that there is hope at the end of that. There is hope at the end of you. There is hope at the end of what your sinful desires want you to do. And in verse 25 in Romans, he says the same thing. And he goes, because the, the question was, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he's, in verse 25, he says, thank God that the answer is in our Lord Jesus Christ. In my mind, I want to obey God's law, but my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Paul is saying the answer has always been Jesus. It has always been been Jesus. Remember that connection I was telling you about my partying and all this stuff and how am I getting to here because Lord I'm never going to hit that standard? No, the how to has always been Jesus. That bridge has always been Jesus. And so to turn to your neighbor and tell them, hey, start with Jesus. In verse 22 after 21 he says this and he says it again. He says, it says here 22, but the Holy Spirit not May, not Reuben, not John, not Sarah, not Carmen, not Jessica, not Angie, right? Not Victor. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces. The answer is always start with Jesus. He says this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these. It starts with Jesus. We don't get tired of saying that it always starts with Jesus. We will never hit the mark. That is the reason he came. That is the reason he died. That is the reason he resurrected. Because it always has been to start with him. And Paul is reminding them that day, it does not matter what you're doing and what you're not doing. I'm telling you right now that you are to start with Jesus. Verse 24 says this, he goes, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. I don't know about you, but I have, I know for sure that there are things that I am also glad that God told his son to take those things to the cross in my life. I am also glad that there are things in my life that I could have been destroyed by. But I know, right? I know that I know that I know that those things have been nailed to the cross and crucified with the one who loves me, who thought about me, who shares his mercy with me, who gives me his grace. I know for sure that he's the one. And then verse 25 says this, which is crazy because then I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, since we are now, we are living by the Spirit. Have you ever read a word that you've seen your entire life, 
but you never really looked up the meaning of it. So that's what happened to me with the word since. Verse 25, he says, since. I said, oh, man, that, that like stood out to me this time. What, is, what does that mean, right? We know. We use it every day, right? Since means typically meaning the now. So right now, paraphrasing, we are living by the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Since, the right now. Paul is not thinking about it. He's not saying, well, maybe if you can, well, maybe if you do, well, but, but, but what if? Only if you really want to. He's declaring to the church there, he's declaring to the church today, since you have been, since you are being led by the Spirit right now. Right now. Don't let the opposition within you make you doubt that you have been crucified with Christ and made new. Do not let the opposition tell you any different. I don't care what comes up. I don't care what your mind is telling you. I don't care what your body is saying to you. You're going to tell it, no, I have been crucified with Christ, and I have been made new. And since I am being led by the Holy Spirit, guess what? I will produce love, patience, joy, self-control. I will produce those things. I will produce those things. It is all about what the Holy Spirit does. It is all about we are no longer slaves because of Jesus. We are no longer in bondage because of Jesus. We have no longer have to follow our sinful nature because, with, because of Jesus. Can we shout in this place, start with Jesus. If we can take a moment and go back to the list that was given to us in verse 19. And this is where I get excited. And this is where, you know, shifting your lens makes a difference here, right? Shifting your lens makes a difference. He says, Paul says, the list introduces us to our sinful nature. But now, knowing what we know and knowing that we start with Jesus, we can go back to that list and put a big obituary classified in the newspaper. Because that is no longer who you are. That is no longer who you are. In Christ Jesus, you are now free. You are free. We can now say rest in peace to our anger, rest in peace to our resentment, rest in peace to our bitterness, rest in peace to our hopelessness, to our strife, to our selfish ambition, to our jealousy. We can use a big sign and say rest in peace to all those things because we have started with Jesus. He says it in verse 24 again, and this is so good, guys. I, it, it has really shifted my mindset because it's no longer us thinking about it. We know the opposition is there. We feel it. We deal with it on a daily basis. We know it's there. But you know who also is there? Jesus. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. We must, must, must remember that it always starts with Jesus. You ready to lose it on somebody? Start with Jesus. 
Your kids are getting on your nerves? Start with Jesus. Your coworkers annoying you? Start with Jesus. You're not sure your life happens on a daily basis, whatever it is, you're going through something right now? Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. He, we know that he has the, we can be led by the spirit in that way, in such a way that as we begin to allow God to do the work, it will become easier and easier and easier to identify his voice and easier and easier to keep moving in the direction he's asking you to. It's so important. It's so important. It's so important. And as the worship team comes up, I'm going to begin to close. And I know some of you are saying, that sounds good, May, but you don't know. That sounds good, but how? How do we connect the points? How do we connect the points? And it wasn't until it occurred in my own life that I began to understand. I have realized that I have dealt with, I don't know if you want to say depression, heavy moments of sadness, for most of my life. In my teens, in my adult life, I have dealt with these things. And it was mostly because I always thought I had to be perfect. And when I couldn't hit it, there it goes my mind would start and I would dive into these deep moments of sadness. And before I understood the grace of God and before I understood that my performance did not matter to Jesus, I would try to walk myself out of these places by myself. I would tell myself, sleep it off, figure it out, Clearly, there's something you need to do, be better, right? And I went through this my entire life, and then I figured out, you know what? This is just something I'm going to deal with for the rest of my life. These moments of sadness, of deep sadness. But then... I saw Jesus. And please make no mistake, those moments of sadness before I knew who, I understood, really understood God's grace, I was Christian already. I was already on my journey with Christ. But then I encountered him in such a way that it changed my lenses moving forward. And I'll tell you that day vividly, I was home with the two little ones. I have three kids. I was home with the two little ones. And I was cooking something, and I had this overwhelming feeling of sadness. Nobody in my house knew anything. The kids were running around. I think John was at work. I was supposed to, I was supposed to go to, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I was, just so many things happening at the same time. And during my time of cooking, I felt these things within me. 
that started saying to me, he's far. He's not here with you. He doesn't want to deal with you. You're going through all this? You can do this on your own. And because I had started with Jesus, it was almost like my re-journey, right? I, st I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, you know that's not true. You know that's not true. And the tension stood there. The tension stood there. And the Holy Spirit, and what I saw, if I can explain to you, it was me standing in the middle of almost like a coliseum. And I saw and I heard very far away the Holy Spirit saying to me, just worship. And when I heard him saying, just worship, I started out saying some words in my, I promise you, in the, it sounded so far in my head. But because I had started with Jesus, I knew that whatever combating thoughts were trying to take me over were no longer valid. And I started worshiping. And I'll tell you that it sounded a million miles away. And I started. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. The tension was still there. It was still there. And I continued because I heard the Lord's voice and I heard the little spirit of God because my sinful nature was trying to destroy me. It was trying to tell me, hey, you need to do A, B, C, and D to get yourself out of this situation. But the spirit of the Lord said to me, just worship. Meaning just worship just worship and I continued and I kept going and I kept telling him Lord way maker miracle worker promise keeper that is who you are that is who you are and that's connecting the bridge and that connected the bridge for me it connected the bridge for me and I said no it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what I do or what I don't do. As long as I allow the Spirit of God to move me, I will move when he says to move. I will stop when he says to stop. And let me tell you, the tension is still there. I don't have it perfect. I don't have it perfect. But man, oh man, I know the difference. When I allow the Spirit of God to lead me, I know the difference. I know the freedom that I experience when I allow him to lead me. I know the hope that I have when I allow him to lead me. The most practical thing to do is just start with Jesus. If you leave with anything here today, just start with Jesus. Let's get on our feet. We're going to worship.
want us to worship together in this place, knowing that Jesus is the game changer here. And that was Paul's fight in Galatia, was reminding them that Jesus was the game changer. It was no longer based on what they were doing and what they weren't doing. Allow the Holy Spirit to be the one to guide you into his presence, to guide you into his love, to guide you into his mercy, to guide you into his... Just allow God. Start with Jesus. Lord, we just bless you. And we just thank you, Father, because you are just so good to us. Lord, let us be reminded, oh God, that your love, oh God, is unparalleled. It is unparalleled in this place, Lord. It is unparalleled, God. Let us learn, oh God, to lean into you more than anything else that we can ever think of, Lord. Let us allow us to lean into you, Lord, in the whisper, in the hurt, in the betrayal, Lord. Father, let us learn to lean into you, Father. Father, I just thank you. I thank you because your goodness and your mercy, oh God, are always around. Father, we love you here today. We thank you, Lord, for your awesomeness, for your, just for being who you are, Father, that you remind us daily, oh God, that we need to only start with you, Lord. We need to find ourselves in you. We need to abide in you. We only need to do that, Lord, to produce the things that you have called us to do, oh God. I thank you, oh God, because you gave us your son everything, oh God. Reminding us, oh God, that we are new creatures in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.